0: Ian Collins Wants a Word, powered by the hardworking Mitsubishi L200. With £2,000 off the range, make the L200 your ultimate workmate.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Sideshow Kev. There's been an awful lot of speculation due to recent events about the future of Ian Collins Wants a Word as a podcast, as an ongoing podcast. Um, A lot has been said... A lot has been written, uh, so I'm going to take this opportunity right now to tell you the truth. And the truth is, I can't find Ian. It's like he's disappeared off the face of the f***ing earth, really. He doesn't appear to be active on social media, on radio, email, phones, you name it, he's just gone. I've been down to Bromley Working Men's Club, one of his favourite haunts, he's not there. So I've decided I have to take action. So today, in this very special edition of Once A Word, a very different edition of Once A Word, I'm going to be talking to the one man who might, just might, be able to tell me where the fuck Ian Collins has got to. Mike Hanson. That's me. Have
0: you seen Ian Collins? Ian Collins. Now that rings a bell. Um, I've not seen... It. Isn't he... Um... Atlantic 252 now. <laughs> that was him, yeah. Right. Jewish bloke. That was, That's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, no, he's dead, isn't he? Oh, no, no, sorry. Well, that's, I, that's Gary I,
1: Jacob, Sorry. I, I, <laughs> I, oh, oh, oh. I confused him <laughs> You're a terrible man. It's um, quite over it there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's been a long time since we've been in the studio together. Yes, it has been, hasn't it? Because uh, I think it was... Uh, it was Ian's last show on that sports station.
0: That's right. Yes, we Up the uh, road. We drank a lot of beer and then decided to go and say goodbye to him.
1: We did, yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and the fools we let us on air. I've never listened to that. I couldn't bring myself I, I, No, it. I'm exactly yeah. the same. I thought to myself, I, I know that we'd had quite a lot of beer, and then we went. Mm. Well, the idea was that we were going to go along and say bye and shake hands and go. Yeah. But Ian, of course, put us on air, which mm. you later said you knew he was going to do. I, I suspected he would, which is kind of why I was pushing back to Laura that we should go
0: on sooner rather than later. Because she said, "Oh, yeah, we got a bit here. We'll, we'll get you on about forty-five minutes ago." That's a bad idea. <laughs> As we're sitting in their in their um, green room drinking their beer, yeah. which we'd stolen
1: from their fridge, stolen I think specifically from Hawksby and Jacobs. Actually, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was from their cooler.
0: So, uh, in the interest interest of um, preserving her career. Uh, I thought she'd be wise, she was going to put us on air to do it sooner rather than later. Yes, yes. before in we was... got
1: completely shit-faced. Exactly. And we were halfway there already. Now, I mean, because obviously we sort of, and we're just going to have a chat, really. Mm. But we've known each other a long time, because we had that whole talk radio thing back in the day. And as I recall, you came in on the boat from Canada, mm. started busking. It was an iceberg, I floated. An iceberg, one. and then you got a job on talk radio. That's pretty much it, isn't it? Just that, yeah. Within the, fir- the first weekend, I was here. I think yeah. in the first weekend you were here. Not, oh. yeah. It felt like a weekend. It was just one big blur. How much money did you make from busking? Um, were you any good? And what? Where was your patch? Um, I busked um, mainly on the Piccadilly line
0: around Piccadilly Station. I think it was quite lucrative because what you got was a lot of um, stupid tourists who didn't really understand the denominations of the money. Yeah. So I do remember one Italian man giving me ten pounds. And that was great. I mean, this is 1994, you know, so uh, that was quite a lot of money then. So that was mostly got from one silly person. I never made enough to, to earn a living, obviously. Um, so, I, I didn't do much. It was just a bit of um, something to keep me out of the pub.
1: And you've not gone back to it. You've not been tempted to sort of, you know.
0: No, I've moved on to better things. A little story, bit of yeah. well. well, well. Uh, you can look up Bourbon Street Revival anytime you like. Uh, oh, uh,
1: yeah, because uh, you, you have a go, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You
0: go out to like. You play in the 100 Club September 29th.
1: <laughs> <this> oh, <season. laughs> you start plugging your band on this podcast.
0: Isn't that why I'm here?
1: <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, you can plug whatever you want, but All save right. it till the end, okay. you know. All right. Got the early days of talk, mm. it's fair to say there were a huge range of different personalities, experience levels, and talent. Mm. Fair? Yes,
0: well, that's true. And I think um, what um, united us all, or what we all had in common, at least in the early days, was this... Um, Love of cheap drugs. Yeah, there was that. Yeah. Uh, proximity to a pub. Yeah. Boundless optimism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everybody was really thought, this is great. And I was thinking about it when you asked me to come along. I was thinking, actually, when you look back on that time mid-90s, you know, middle of Britpop. I'm not putting this in with Cool Britannia, but there is that sort of, or that feeling in the air in Britain of that sort of cool, culturally, things were happening. It was, it was a good time. I mean, the biggest global political scandal was, you know, what Bill Clinton was doing with cigars. That's right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, so the rest of the world was pretty good, and it was it was quite cool to be in Britain at the time. And so there was Britpop was happening. You know, we are on the verge of, the new labor mo- movement and all that. And I remember just this real great
1: optimism uh, talk at the time and uh, shared, was, shared by everybody. It was going to be the biggest thing in the world. Well, as far as we were concerned, we were, yeah. we were coming in and this was going to be the biggest radio station, not just in the country, but on the planet.
0: Yeah, and, 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 the, and the feeling in the office before we went on air, like when we were all together during working hours, all in the office, it was really electric. I remember that, this really real buzz. And, and so... The levels of experience or backgrounds really didn't really matter at yeah. the time. You know, we just we were all in a, together. Well, There's a phrase, and it we'd cer- all go to the pub afterwards. It and, certainly and,
1: mattered when we were yeah. actually on the air. Well, th- that was funny. <laughs> that, that was right. my next point. Yeah. Was when how how
0: quickly that optimism turned sour. <laughs> and um, and if I ever get to write the talk radio book,
1: which I think everybody's writing by the way, just I so think you know, so. Um, yeah.
0: I will start with the the fact that the very first show to get cancelled on talk radio UK was the Success Show. <laughs> By Sue Plumtree. <laughs> yes. And the irony in that um, just kind of sums up everything that uh, was so great about talking and then quickly went so wrong. And if you remember how, um, and, you know, and I think Jeremy Scott was yeah. quite a visionary guy.
1: And he was the program
0: director. He was the program director so. and um, assisted by Andrew uh, that, um, uh, Marshall <laughs> an and, um, and John Ammonia. And then all the other backers like MS Broadcasting from America and... Uh, various other people. There was, you know, we were all really excited about this new venture, and then they all got really cold feet really yeah, quickly. Yeah, and if you did. remember, you worked on the show because, you know, and this is the thing where they, um, they kind of, you know, some of us took their their um, mission statement probably too literally to be. Because they wanted us to be controversial, not not shocking. We we're never going to be shock jocks, but we were meant to be get up people's noses, it was meant to be a bit different, a bit challenging. And some of us took it too far, too quickly.
1: Well, in fairness, I mean, there was this thing with a PR company who, and uh, Sophie, uh, mm. Sophie Wessex was in yes. the PR company. Yeah. Because um, Wild Al was going to propose to her just to get, because she was engaged to the Prince at the point. And we'll, we'll come right. to Al and so on later, probably. The reality is that the whole pitch was shock jocks are coming to the UK by the PR company, which meant that everyone was sitting out going, right, we're going to get these guys before they even go on the air. Yeah. So you've got, uh, like, Tommy Boyd makes a reference to being, um, uh, I can't remember what it was, but there was a reference on the test transmissions, and he got complaints yeah. to the radio authority because he, I can't even remember what word he said, but on the test the test transmissions were even getting complaints before the station had started. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: But to a certain degree, we were kind of egged on. Because if you remember, Tommy, Scott Chisholm, and Maz D were sent to L.A. to see that's how right. American shock jocks do it. Yeah. And Tommy came back. I remember him telling everybody how the producers wound up people who called in and got them really fired up so there it was much more confrontational on and aggressive on air. And it wasn't very British, but that's what we were kind of encouraged to do. And yeah. some of us, well, they obviously got real cold feet really, really quickly. And the first signs of panic, and this is probably the biggest mistake they made, was losing their nerve over The Rude Awakening. Uh, the yeah, Breakfast Show, yeah. which you worked on, well, you're yeah, moving uh, yeah. into the evening show four days
1: before launch. That was just crazy. And that was uh, just because, I mean, you were hired for overnights. Yeah. That was, you know, uh, you and Wild Al. I was originally hired to do, uh, to as a you know producer working on The Breakfast Show uh, with Moz and Carol. It was moved further up the schedule and swapped with The Dish with Sean Bolger and Samantha Mia, yeah. which in itself... Wasn't cracking. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, but to be fair to them, they
0: were told to create this sort of hipstery, trendy, magaziney type evening show. that would be all about pop culture yeah. and, and all that. And and then four days later, or four days before launch, they're told, no, it's a breakfast show. You yeah, can change yeah. the whole format. And poor Samantha you know, was the first to get the bullet.
1: It was. I, I think it was. It was a few days in, but it was early. It, it was, was very very. Early. Early. Yeah,
0: and and then. You know, The Rude Awakening with Moz and Carol, which was meant to be breakfast show, was suddenly this evening show. And then they think, wow, we can even do even more rude stuff. Yeah. And I think Moz was the first to get a an upheld complaint by using the the word twat on air. Uh,
1: he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. He called someone a twat and cut them off. Yeah. It was brilliant. But um, So I was working on that show, and then I was hanging around with yourself and a gentleman called Wild Al Kelly. Mm. Now, I ended up effectively working something like 20-hour days at the time. <laughs> And there was very much a vibe that you and Al were going to mean something, hmm. and it was going to be a big deal. How did that go?
0: Well, for three glorious weeks, it was, it was all that, yeah. uh, and then it uh, ended badly, as we know. This is when I think there was a slight discrepancy between, I think, what Andrew told me the show was going to be, yeah. and what he had in mind, and I think what Jeremy had in mind, and then kind of what Al had in mind. So Andrew, when Andrew hired me and said, I want you to work overnights with this guy Al, he had this sort of late-night FM American, let's have a jazz cigarette and listen to some (laughs) late-night radio type thing. Just laid back, hey, man. And he was thinking about these monologues that used to be, there was DJ in this American sitcom called Northern Exposure Mm. that was on Channel 4 at the time. And um, he wanted it to kind of sound like that, a bit surreal, a bit laid back, very nighttime. And so if you remember, you know, in the first week, or whatever it sounds like the show you know evolved over time but you know things changed really quickly In the first week or so I used to write these surreal monologues for al
1: I remember them remember them yeah you know,
0: and and he would read them out and I would record them and, and edit them and, and put them over some dreamy sort of twin Peaks music I got from the twin Peaks soundtrack
1: weren't a lot of them about jeremy Beadle's girlfriend no
0: those were the um the funny jokes oh cause, I see cause, Right. because that's uh, all, the other thing was you know we didn't it was it was it was very re- much appreciated that you hung around, but you weren't my official assistant. No, I didn't have one. It was just no. me and Al yeah. doing twenty five hours of broadcasting a week That's with right. no adverts and only two hours, two now, minutes an hour from I'm IRN. I'm going to stop to, you there. there.
1: I'm going to stop you there. There were adverts. There was oh, moods. There was moods. There was where Jesus walked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And a couple of others which were, um, uh, which I think were about two minutes long. And because there there weren't any ads being sold, especially at that time of night, you'd put them in just to sort of break things up a little bit. Just to catch your breath. As filler. Yeah. So, yeah, so
0: before we went on air and they were trying to format the show and trying to work out, I had a lot of these sort of things that I would pre record, we'd make beforehand that would give us a a break or just fill the airtime. And one was these surreal monologues that did it to. And then. We started doing these jokes, and I just, I just started rewriting old jokes from this joke book I got. And they were old-fashioned jokes, like a man walks into it, and I would just change it and put Al in, in as a protagonist. Yeah. And the way we would do it is he would tell, say, hey, did I ever tell you the time when... And then it'd be a bit of music I'd mix in underneath, it and it was all about Al, the adventures of Al and his dog, Spunky. <laughs>
1: That's right, yes, and, um
0: And I would just rewrite these jokes, and it would be things like... Um, and the one you're thinking about is...
1: I can get them both in one shot, right? Yeah. Is that because... That was when
0: it was it was me and Al had been out. Yeah. And he's telling you the story, I remember. He's telling you this, right, hey Kev? That's Mike right. Mike and I were yeah. out um, hunting. <laughs> like we went hunting. I said, don't <laughs> tell the story. I'm very upset. No, no, you got to hear this, Kev. Uh, Mike and I were out, and I was looking through the periscope, and I saw Mike's girlfriend, Lindsay, who also worked at uh, That's right. Talk Radio, yeah. said, um, she's over with Jeremy Beadle. They're together. And I say to Al because I'm really upset. Okay, I want you to shoot her in the head, but shoot him in the balls. And
1: Al goes, hey, I think I can get this in one shot.
0: Yeah. Was, <laughs> that was the punchline. And uh, so there
1: was a few of those. There was also um, David in Dundee. Yes. Which effectively was a section called Al's Your Pal. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> and Al would... And, you know, we, we won't talk too much about Al Kelly because, quite frankly, the amount of time he was on here doesn't justify it. Hmm. But a lot of people still remember him. Hmm. Um, and he... Um, he had Al Chappelle and effectively it was like if you're feeling lonely or desolate, you know, Anna Rayburn's on during the day and I'm on in the evening. Mm. Um, so if you if you need some help, then phone me up. And so he gets the music on and all that kind of thing. He goes, here's David in Dundee. And David says, Al, I want to talk to you because, you know, I've just moved to Dundee. My wife's left me, she's taken the kids, I don't know anyone here, I've got no friends, I'm feeling really lonely. Uh, and I'm feeling really sad, especially at this time of night. Or words to that effect.
0: Yeah. And it was after um, Valentine's Day, Could be just lost. That's right. It was yeah, early, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Al said, uh, well, David, I can help you. And all I need you to say, <laughs> all I need you to say is, uh, Wild Al, will you be my pal? Yeah. And David is on the other end of the line going, oh, I don't know, Al, it's difficult. He says, no, just say, Wild Al, will you be my pal? And yeah. the silence another end of the line and, you know, sobbing. <sighs> and he said, come on, you can say it, David, you can say it. And he goes, Wild owl." Wild Al. Will you be my pal? And Al goes, "Now nah, piss off, you sad bastard!" <laughs> right. And cuts him off. Yeah. Now that got us
0: complaints. Yeah, and that was upheld. Actually. And, and actually, in, in, a, in a postscript to that one, this going back to how naive slash arrogant we were at the time. And and it was all, all of to me. It was all a big joke because I didn't, yeah. I you know I was new to this country, and that's my excuse. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought you could get away with anything. And um, I remember at the time. Um, Jenny Dinsky, who was quite a uh, renowned radio critic at the time, wrote to me. <laughs> yes. And she'd gotten a letter from someone who heard that and was really, really upset. If I'd known then what I know now, yeah, I'd say, ooh, this big radio critic's writing passing on a complaint, maybe yeah. I should take this seriously. And I did, and I wrote back to her and I said, oh... Uh, it's all true, and Al, I've lost control of Al already. He really is wild. And um, you should tune in every night at 1 o'clock yourself, Jenny, to hear how out of control he is. And I look forward to a glowing review uh, this coming weekend. And that's how I responded to you know an eminent radio critic passing on quite a distressed letter from uh, yeah. a listener who'd heard that. I- because for us, I mean, behind the scenes... You sound like you're, you're choking back the tears. You're stifling the laughter. And yeah. we can't look at each other. Well, I'm recording it. Have and we I'll actually my head down. Have
1: we, have we clarified this, though? That David in Dundee was me. Yes. And it wasn't a caller. It wasn't a caller. But the thing is that if you hear that, and we're like, hey, everybody gets it. No, because no. people didn't know. No one knew. Uh and it just sounded like a real caller. Yeah. Well um, it was.
0: It was a very good acting on part. And it was funny as hell. And that was Al's idea, so I I do blame him.
1: He so didn't. Al Al went. Yeah. And, and Chad, that... who was hanging around the building for some reason, came in. He I... produced the weekends with uh, Nick. Nick Miller. Miller. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um who had a, some sort of cozy teapot of a show, as I yeah. recall. Yeah. But um Chad came in and Chad basically spent five and a half hours every night flirting. With Trying to get girls. With yeah. girls. Yeah. Now, for those of you wondering what this has got to do with Ian Collins, he wasn't there yet, no. and um, he actually joined after Chad left to go and be the voice of Scooby Doo or Top Cat. Yeah, Top Cat, Scooby, um, whatever.
0: Well, I think Chad was always an interim thing, although mm. in our head, because and things a lot happened in a short space of time because um, you produced Chad because I was suspended. That's right. And I wasn't going to mention
1: that. I didn't I know what to I mean, mention. It's
0: old. It's old news. Yeah. Uh, but Al Al got fired. I got suspended and um, you were producing Chad. Yeah. And then when they decided, yeah, it's not fair to fire him, I was brought back. And then by that point, I was pretty paranoid. Did a couple of weeks with Chad, but it was in terms was working. And that's when they mentioned that uh, this guy from Victor was going to come. Oh,
1: no, by that point, he was at Radio Kent. BBC Radio Kent Early Breakfast, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, a guy called Ian Collins was going to come.
1: Yeah. Now, this was interesting, and this was news to us, because mm. there was a, a gentleman, who we'll touch on briefly... Uh, who worked at talk radio at the time, called Caesar the Geezer, Mm. uh, who Ian and, you know, they'd worked together in the past. It's fair to say that Caesar didn't necessarily represent Ian in the best light. Is that fair? That's true. Um, true. And so when Ian arrived, we were very uh, cautious. You were cautious because you'd been suspended. We Mm. thought he was going to be doing effectively a straight-laced news show. Mm. You were, I wasn't allowed on the air. You were allowed on the air, but only literally at the beginning of the hour to set up the topic and then you would disappear into yeah. nothing.
0: Yeah. I made him sit next to me. That's right. In, yeah. the, in the control room.
1: Yeah. And there was a point, as I recall, when we were in the pub or something and Ian basically thought that we were crap and, cause, and he was trying to G up the show because we thought he was not...
0: That's right. I forgot. That's right. Yeah, because cause we were making a really... We were told that it was going to be hard-hitting... Serious news phone in, yeah. That he knew his news, but you know, got to be careful because he, um, it's it's news and politics, and be careful what you're doing. So we thought, yeah, it was going to be very straight, straight laced, very serious. And he's like, let's talk about cartoons, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, no.
1: And then he started bringing uh, me on the air mm. as Kev the Wonder Sheep, mm. which is a great name. And we went to the pub again. We seem to spend a lot of time in the pub, mm. but um. I remember, uh, I think it was you that said we we needed a name uh, for the show, like a collective name. He, he, we were trying to think of one, and I had one in mind. And I said, what about Ian Collins and the Creatures of the Night? Hmm. And Ian thought about it and said, I like it, but can't we just call it Ian and the Night Creatures? Hmm. And he didn't quite sort of realise that the Creatures of the Night thing was kind of weird and poetic and all that kind of thing. So I'll take wasn't credit it, for wasn't
0: that. It, um based on The Crow or something. Like
1: and there's a line from the Brandon Lee's The Crow yeah. where there's a guy in a pawn shop who goes, like, goddamn creatures of the night or yeah, words so. to that effect. And that's where that came from.
0: That's right. because I always thought it was long-winded, so I didn't think it would catch on. Yeah. So I didn't think he'd like it. And I, I thought no one would ever refer to it. It would just get shortened to Ian <laughs> well, Collins.
1: Venue. Well, it was a type. Was it? in The listings, I don't know if you remember this. It, I think it was in the sun in the radio listings. It would always just say Ian Collins. And, mm. you know, and some started doing Ian Collins and The Creatures of the Night. Mm. But then there was one week where it just said, you know like, 1 a.m., Ian.
0: Yeah, and that was it.
1: Yeah. But um, that went on for a while, um, and there were a lot of changes behind the scenes in terms of, and because we're working nights, mm. uh, and at this point I'm working exclusively with you guys. We're working nights, so we don't get much of a sense of the turmoil that's happening during the day. Yeah, so there's lots. Yeah, so everything gets moved around, and then people like Simon Bates join. Mm. Now I mentioned Simon uh, because it was a you know it was a change, and being as you know being at night meant that. Uh, you were kind of not the centre of attention and you could kind of get away with doing what you are doing. But Simon Bates is best known for a radio feature called R-Tune. Mm. Do you have a story about that, Mike? I do,
0: actually. Um, one day I happened to be hanging around the office, because actually Batesy was quite good to us. He was, um, yeah, he was lovely to us, I have yeah. said. He did trails, he did uh, an hour opener, he did all sorts for yeah. us. Yeah. I don't know why, but he was used to the volume of correspondence he would have got on Radio 1... Back in the seventies and eighties, when you know Radio One had twenty million listeners, yes, and on a station had a little over a million, I think uh, he wasn't always getting the correspondence.
1: And it's fair to um, say that he was he was doing our tune as a feature, and yeah. it was the only song played on the station all day. Yeah, uh, Jonathan King might have played something. Yeah, but that's but, enough about him. Exactly,
0: and it was it wasn't yeah, and it was kind of a weird thing to do. On a talk station, on a breakfast show, on a talk station, which is topical and pacey and all that. To, to stop and read these modeling letters was, was kind of... And I think, again, that was a weird management decision. I think Jerry Thomas, who, who hired him, who'd come from GMTV, kind of just recognized that it's a, a, a
1: much-loved feature. It was. It you know, was ten I, years previous to that on a on a pop radio station. They were heading for the sponsorship as well, and I think because yeah. Kleenex were involved, <laughs> not because it made you cry, but just because it was a pile of. Hey, w-
0: hey thank you Perry. very much. Um, That's a very mm, old joke, though. It is. So I went to Batesy and I said, um, "Can I write an art tune? Because you're Canadian, you've never heard. of I'd it. I'd never heard of it, um, and it was you know it was before internet or, or anything like that, so there, I had no idea what it was. But I'd started hearing what he was doing, and um, so I thought, um, "Well, can I write a letter? And he said, "You want me, Drucker and, and uh, I'll read it over to you." So, so bizarrely, I sat down with Johnny Gould, and yeah. we started writing one. And I don't remember it, but for because what I essentially wanted was Batesy to play Guns and Roses, yeah, on on the talk radio break for show, yeah. at eight in the morning. Because um, to me, I thought that was funny. It was funny. But the letter I wrote was just full of Rod Stewart references, and I don't <laughs> know why that was. But we That's just right. we just said. Um, <laughs> I always wanted, she always wore it well, and I asked her when we first went out, do you think I'm sexy? And this was all these really stupid Rod Stewart ones. Her name was Maggie. She was a bit older than me. And then it all ends up badly and all that. And he did it. He read it out, and he played Paradise City. Yeah.
1: I don't think he, from what I understand from people who worked on the show, he hadn't necessarily, he didn't recognize what Paradise City was until it started playing. Yeah. So, you know, but that, I mean, that's a great moment. And yeah. I'm sure our tune now is completely authentic and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's all listener requests. If he still does it, I think he's out on one of the BBC local stations. I think somewhere. he is, yeah. And,
0: and, and Bass was great because he did lots of other things. I mean, he did, a, he did a phony. I mean, the other thing we did with Ian is that we went to a, elaborate lengths to get famous voices to do our hour openers. That's right. You remember. Yeah. And I did, well, it wasn't hard to get, but I got Scott Chisholm to do some. Scott um,
1: did a, um, the TV show Monkey.
0: Yes, he did. Uh, well, you th- wrote that one, yeah. Yeah,
1: well, I wrote that, but mm. I remember that back when you didn't necessarily have the internet at your disposal or iTunes mm. or anything, you couldn't find a fucking theme from Monkey anywhere. Yeah. But I think it was Bravo who just started showing it, and I phoned them up, and they said, well, we've got one copy of it. Mm. Uh, and I said, oh, can I have a copy of that? And they said, well, we don't have anything to copy on. We can bike you the single. So I had this single from like 1976, and then Scott did the uh, the Monkey Magic opener. He did,
0: and he did a couple ones that I wrote, which was, um, What Price, Friday, Free Dude. And yeah, and that, yeah, and yeah. And he was good. But we also got famous people. Um, I remember we went to elaborate lengths to get Nicholas Parsons in. That's right. And I told him we were going to interview him. We had no interest in an interview. And um, we, we sat there doing this interview about his glorious career for 20 minutes. And at the end, he just said, oh, you uh, just just that, <laughs> <laughs> which was, was a sale of a century yeah. spoof hour opener. So he did that, and and um, Trevor McDonald did one. Trevor McDonald did one. Steve Wright, when he first came to talk radio, uh, did one. That's right, yeah. Uh, and then Batesy did one, and um, it was our tune, wasn't it? He it was it our tune. Actually. And what was interesting was um, I mentioned Ian, but I don't mention the creatures by name. I say the creatures, and he says this, this letter comes from uh, a guy called Ian, uh, who's. Um, he was, was a very sad man and um, was teamed up with two equally sad men, The Creatures of the Night. And the reason I didn't name it was because you had just left the show right. to go work in daytime. And I didn't have your replacement really in, in place by that point. So no. I didn't have a name to use. So I just left it generic. So yeah, I, ne- no, I remember. I never that. had Bates actually say my name on the radio, which is, crushes
1: me to this day. <laughs> I'm sure he swore under his breath mm. uh, many times at you. But... Um, Because, as you say, I I left the Creatures, uh, ended up working in the day, ended up working with Nick Abbott, Mm. and then, uh, you know, I left, and you stayed there. I did. For a long time, working nights, while everything changed again, and again, and again, Mm. and then eventually somebody discovered you still worked there. It's like this rumour about... um, I think it was a rumour about Annie Nightingale that mm. um, she was actually fired 20 years ago, but somebody forgot to tell her. She kept <laughs> showing up and no one had the heart. Yeah. Uh, and you were, I mean, you ended up getting, because you worked on nights, and then you ended up getting promoted into the day as well. And you stayed there for... A,
0: well, I guess we wouldn't management. actually.
1: Uh, well, there was a sale, of course. The, yeah. Uh, Mr. McKenzie purchased the station.
0: And it was a weird thing, because we, we we, were looking forward to Kelvin taking over, because it was a weird time where the, there was kind of a... The station was in real limbo after a really great 98 1998 was a great year for talk radio. Yeah. Um but it, it, for the station, I mean we we got 2 million or just just about 2 million for the first time ever. Mm. A great lineup cuz they say Nick Abbott was in the had an evening show, weekly. Ian was on, um James Wells in in the late night slot, Paul Ross, Paul Ross was doing breakfast with Carol. So it was it was a great station and then the, we settled the weekends John Simons was the program director. Mm-hmm. So it really settled. It was really, we were really starting to find our feet, get our voice uh, after name changes and management changes. Because we'd gone through a lot by that point. And it just seemed to be settling. And then whoever owned it, I can't remember at the time, but whatever conglomerate it
1: was, was the It was CLT who owned That's right. That's um, right. Atlantic 252. That's right, and some stations on the continent. Well, this was the weird thing, because I remember doing some work for Atlantic 252 while I was there. And also, if you remember, they had a country radio station in the That's cupboard right. at right. the end of the hall. Country 1050 th- 1035, I think it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was literally one man in a, in, a, in a box with a computer. Yeah, we'd be there at night getting preparing to show, and the guy would walk in.
0: Yeah, hey, how you doing, guys? Go in, in the box, and twenty minutes later come on oh, I've just done my four-hour breakfast show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you just voice track it, yeah. You know, slot it all in and press F five, and then import, and then off you go. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah. So then there was this limbo. We were just waiting for someone to resolve because nothing was getting done, and you know, equipment was starting to fail. And again, I guess in our naivety, we really thought that Kelvin, this you know, who we knew about from. This time at the Sun, yeah, and a bit at Live TV, but mainly through this book called "Stick It Up Your Punter," which is a history of the Sun. That's right. And Calvin was just this ranting, but really, really colorful character, mm. and just given the sort of stunts that he pulled while at the Sun, we thought he's going to love us. You know, he's going to love Ian's irreverence and news ability. He's going to love Nick's quirky sense of humor. Yeah, he's going to love Tommy Boyd. Yeah, but the rest of them, are, oh, they're all going to be gone. Yeah, and a sort of. Cheeky Chappies are going to do really well. And how brown we were, man. You know, he just, his
1: first day, he he got Tommy and Nick in. And yeah,
0: fired them both. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, and he'd heard Nick do something, making a joke. He cut some kid off. It was like a running gag. He yeah. comes in to play his recorder or something like that, and Nick cuts him off. And yeah. Kelvin, again, going back to Dave and Dundee, took it seriously. So what Kelvin did was turn him on to a news station. And then around that time, I went to the Caribbean for Christmas. And that's when... Um, Everyone got fired. And I remember um I was I was in, in Antigua and my daughter, who was eighteen months at the time, had a, an ear infection, so we couldn't fly. Yeah. So I called Ian to tell him I was gonna be uh I wasn't gonna be back and um to warn him and, and he said, well, you wouldn't believe what's going on here? And I go, He says everyone's been fired. I go, well, Anna Rabin's fired, Lorraine Kelly's been fired, uh Scott's still here, but his whole show is different now. Jonathan Sanchez is gone. So-and-so is gone. Uh, Bill Preston's got to go. Who's that? Oh, no, you never met him. He was hired (laughs) on the Friday. Hired Friday, but fired by Monday. None of us ever met him. And it was was just a whole list of people who have been fired. Yeah. So I arrived, and I thoroughly believe that I survived that big Christmas 98, 99 call by not being there to be fired. Yeah. And when I came back, they just assumed I was one of the new guys. Yeah. Kind of like Danny Nightingale gag. And I just kind of survived that. And then by that point, what would had become really evident was that all the people that Calvin had brought in to replace all the experienced producers and production staff and presenters were guys from Fleet Street who were good journalists a lot of them you know, on the tabloid sense, but really didn't know how any of the equipment worked no, <laughs> so no. I mean I, I was literally keeping the station on air with some of the engineers and a lot of the engineers have been sacked as well yeah you know and um, <clears throat> there's a real real change of, of the personnel and so I kind of Developed a sort of indispensable role, so I was producing the shows in the evening, but also kind of acting as his operations manager. So by the time that a previous program director had come back, it was like one of the few faces that he recognized. And but he he saw that I was one of the few people that had any sort of practical radio experience. So yeah. I was sorting out RCS playout systems, and I was which you'd never the, really done that much, no. Before. But you know, I knew my way around the studio, so yeah, yeah, I was yeah. there. So I was kind of ironically i did did really well under Kelvin, so I went from producing the overnight show to evenings and then daytime by the time it came talk sport, I was a programming manager and I was in charge of all the freelance staff, all the tech ops and sharing a lot of these inter- inter-department meetings between yeah. creative and sponsorship and sales and programming make them all get together and I tell you I tell you something. Palestinians and Israelis are going to be hugging and kissing and sharing hummus recipes before you get salespeople and production people to see eye to eye. Yeah, <laughs> that's very What true. do you mean we can't get tampon sponsoring the football phone show? <laughs> you know, it was uh, that was the kind of shit we had to put up with. Was- and,
1: and you were there for a long time. And the, actually, we did because I—I—I um, I went to work elsewhere, and then mm-hmm. I traveled the world, and then I came back. You do. And I was doing stuff with Ian again. Well, we yeah. we didn't see each other because again we were back doing, uh, firstly creatures and then doing unbranded later on and i think yeah. you'd gone actually at the point that we were doing unbranded i think
0: by the time you do unbranded i i, I was gone but when, yeah. you, when you first came back because ian was doing um 10 to 1 friday saturday sunday wasn't it
1: that was what we we pitched for effectively because yeah. yeah. tommy had just been released again after yeah. being brought back that's right um, <laughs> uh, but i do remember we um we we like to leave stuff on your desk occasionally and um, Ian had been sent one of those, you know, the cards, the birthday cards that when you open them up, they laugh. Mm. They have like a laughing thing in it. And um, I took that out and I sort of very carefully and elaborately um, stuck it to the bottom of your phone. So effectively, <laughs> yeah. you'd had to the phone and go, dot radio. And he'd be like, <laughs> we didn't realize you were on holiday and somebody else was doing it. And Ian got a very polite uh, but firm email about, um, yes, very funny. Mike's not here. I'm guessing this was you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then you left and went on and never worked in radio again. So that no, was, no. you know... Well, it's a dying dying industry. Well, isn't what it what just though? Yeah. I very much hope this has been interesting. I think it's been quite interesting, hasn't it? It's been interesting to me. I mean, it was a great time.
0: Yeah. That's what I... You know, those, those as I say, those those early days of talk radio were really exciting. For all of its stresses and, and weirdness, the, the switch from talk radio to talk sport was quite an interesting thing to be a part of. That's right, yeah. Um, um, I'm glad I'm not still there i'm doing much more interesting things now but that at right, back to busking back to busking yeah well the, you know
1: so as you say you got the band you can plug it now okay. bourbon street revival tell but us a little bit about that mike
0: bourbon street revival is a band that i set up with some mates and we play around uh let's say we're playing 100 clubs tuesday september 29th played you know uh all over mainly in, in the uh, southwest hey guys mike Kev,
1: i'm here i'm here I'm back what, are you, what back. are you doing here we can we can do it the Once A Word team are back. We can record and make stuff and brilliant podcasts and... What? Continue as we were, but with more gusto and bollocks and all manner
0: of things. What? What? What's he doing? You uh, You said it was just me. I, I am not working with that <laughs> again. <laughs> I couldn't
1: find him. No. Mike. Oh, no, 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 no. Mike, come back, Mike. Mike, come back. Mike, come back. It's going to be fine. Mike, we can make it work. We had something special, man. A Big Things Media Production. Big <laughs> Things.
0: Ian Collins wants a word, powered by the hard-working Mitsubishi L200. With £2,000 off the range, make the L200 your ultimate workmate.